tape is on. Welcome to Pagan Gumbo. This is our... Would you like me to start over? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and what would you like me to do differently so that you don't have a heart attack over there? <laughs> nope, you're fine. So that you don't have that look on your face. <laughs> learn, learn to speak under the mic. You, okay. You should be che- How's this? projecting right below the mic. Oh, how's this? Is this working? Until you hit a P. I haven't hit a P. You just did. Oh, you are. <laughs> Quit talking about peeing or I'm going to take a break. Yeah, seriously, right? Let's try it. Let's try again. Here we go again. Welcome to Pagan Gumbo Podcast. This is an ongoing discussion of the philosophical and practical perspectives on nature-based spirituality. We will be exploring both the ancient and modern perspectives and how we conceptualize our place in the universe and the universe itself. This is a discussion more about the questions than any answers. It's an examination that takes place as a result of the dialogue. As always, your mileage may vary, and it is a way to look at things, not the way to look at things. Our intent is to mix up interviews and discussion and offer up a new serving about every other week. Please check us out at pagangumbo.com. Like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. If you have questions or suggested topics, send them to questions at pagangumbo.com. Welcome to Pagan Gumbo. This is our uh, sixth edition, I believe, or sixth episode. And uh, we're here to talk about some uh, areas of pagan practice and philosophy that are sometimes well-known and sometimes a little more obscure. But today we're going to be exploring the practices and the uh, worldview around the autumnal equinox. I'm here with Lisa and Seamus. Hello. Hi. And uh going to kick this off by a, a question over here to Dr. Lisa. <laughs> awesome. Um, as, as a professor of sociology and, and someone who has a, a more academic lens on culture, I'd really love to know what your, what your uh, perspective is, um, both as an educator and as a practitioner of pagan arts. And, and um, when, when you approach something like the autumnal equinox, how are you, how are you approaching that? What's the lens that you're seeing it through? I'm kind of seeing it. So the the cool thing about the solstices and the equinoxes is that there's a definite point where we see that, that it happens. The sun is at a certain position relative to the earth, and that's the indicator that that holiday has happened. Now, it moves around the calendar just a little bit around the typical date. So the autumn equinox is usually around the t- September 21st, but it can be as early as September 18th and 19th, and it can come as late as the 22nd and 23rd. So... You just have to be kind of aware of 
what's going on astronomically at that point in time. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think when, when I'm looking at it as an astrologer, um, being really conscious of which year it is and how the timing's working out. And so that that's a period of time where from, from my practice and my perspective, we're moving um, into Libra. And uh, so not only is it the sign of um, balance and of equal parts dark and light, but it's it's literally the period of time during which the sun makes that transit into the next sign. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's something to be really mindful of, especially if your practice um, acknowledges the the precise moment where that part of the wheel of the year is really making itself known as as different from the day before. And it's it's one where you can't you can have some wiggle room, obviously, but if you're trying to be really precise then knowing what time in the the U.S. Navy military website, I can't think of the name of it right now, but you can look up the exact time and dates of the solstices and equinoxes for, and also sunrises and sunsets for, I've done it every year for about 10 years now. Yeah. And you can go forward and backward, and they've got it all figured out. So you don't really have to rely on your own geopositioning issues or whatever you have in, you know, you don't need a telescope or whatever. Right. You can um, also use uh, either Maynard or Llewellyn's uh, planetary guides and, and witches almanacs that are published every year. And they're pr- usually pretty good about getting it right, right to the minute. Um, although there, there have definitely been typos published in both of those, <laughs> but, uh, they're, in they're fact, really I actually use the farmer's almanac. Oh, very cool. Um, that you can usually get, and it's got a whole host of, astrological stuff in it in addition to all the other stuff um that tells you about what's going on in the in the world that would have been really important to our agrarian ancestors in trying to figure out is it time to harvest i mean obviously they would look at the fields and decide but they could probably tell how well the harvest was going to go by okay this is the equinox and at this point uh, the old saying it's knee high by the fourth of july right it was if you could by the fourth of july the corn was knee high that that meant that things were going well. And so I would imagine that knowing when the solstices and equinoxes were, was really important to know how the land, how the crops had been progressing. Right. So you had a a different metric to kind of uh, measure alongside the, the visible growth of your crops at the time. Yeah. And even I imagine there's something similar in herding pastoral kinds of, kind of cultures that if the, if the the use of the sheep had gotten to be a certain age at that point, then you could kind of gauge how many how big your herd was going to be. You could start to plan for the winter because you wouldn't want to keep them all over the winter. Some would have to be slaughtered and preserved so you could eat during the winter. Right, which really kind of brings us to to the um, the deities and and the more kind of religious and spiritual aspects of pagan practice during the time of autumn and particularly the autumnal equinox. When we were talking in preparation for the show, um, we were mentioning some of the, of the deities that you honor, um, when you're, when you're, you know, engaging in your spiritual practice at the equinox. Um, so what were, what were some of the names that came up for you? Oh, so uh, for me on the solstices and equinoxes, uh, that's when I tend to honor the Norse deities. Um, I, I jokingly call them my in-laws, um, <laughs> since my spouse is a, Norse follower. Um, so at spring equinox, which I don't think we talked about then, but at spring equinox, we welcome the gods of summer. Mm-hmm. If you think the Celts, so I'm going to mix cultures here for a minute, but if the Celts saw the world as between summer and winter were the two seasons. So you have the gods of summer, which would be gods associated with 
growth and increase and planting and, and fertility and stuff like that. And then you have the gods of winter, which might be associated with harvest, um, conserving, because you'd be conserving both energy and heat, um, but also food so you could last through the winter. Um, and to some extent, I think uh, if the gods of the summer were the gods of life and fertility, then the gods of the winter would be the gods of mortality and death going into rebirth. So uh, at, when everything's going right and I hit the marks at home like I think I want to, um, autumn equinox is the transition from honoring Frey and Freyr as the Vanir who are in charge of, uh, who oversee a lot of things, but fertility and growth are among them. Um, and then a transition to um, Odin and Frigga as gods and goddess associated with um, things that we now associate with winter. Mm-hmm. So Odin being one of the sources of Santa Claus. He's the winter wanderer. He goes out with the wild hunt. Um, and Frigga is, um, to coin a phrase, a domestic goddess mm-hmm. in that she is the one who t- who tends home and hearth um, in, in the Norse way where things are very much things are much more equal mm-hmm. as far as domestic and uh, gender roles go. So she was in charge of the home. And that's what we tend to do in the winter. We tend to stay home more. Nest. Uh, nesting. We, we nest. Nesting. We spend all. We, we make things. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Frigga's the CEO of Asgard. Yes, very you know, much. She, she, and I, I think that's a, a, a perfect um, idea to think of uh, Frey and Freya as the more wild out uh, beyond the confines of the house Mm -hmm. because you were you Mm -hmm. were out in the fields you were out um tending flock uh, you were out warring Mm -hmm. viking um and then cattle raiding cattle raiding rearranging cattle yes (laughs) and and then in the winter you know everything was was more inward and drawn into Mm -hmm. that the family unit and the home and the and I neglected to mention that I also we also honor Thor at that point too as being the storm god mm. and the one who d- yes is seen as the storm god but also stands against the the storm giants the Jotuns the frost giants that are becoming in, in the winter time you know so honoring him and saying hey thanks for your protection from tornadoes in the winter or, mm-hmm. I'm sorry in the summer but um, we might have ice storms and blizzards now so mm. can you please sort of keep at that very cool and i had no idea until we had talked about it um about the association between santa claus and odin that's that's a completely new one on me that's so how how do they actually tie together those two kind of cultural icons one being a, a lot more contemporary obviously well santa claus chris kringle santa claus before coca-cola got a hold of him had a lot of different indo-european um myths Poseidon, I believe, was one of them, and, and Odin, and I'm sure elements of of others. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of all of them. But well, there's a, a story in several cultures of a god that goes wandering in search of hospitality, mm-hmm. and it's all anecdotal. I can't necessarily point to one. I've heard of such a tale of Zeus. I've heard of such a tale of Yahweh. None of these I've been able to find in the lore, but sometimes you know, there's stuff in the lore and then there's stuff that's in the collective consciousness of a people that still counts, even though it's not written down anywhere. Mm-hmm. But the God goes wandering and he goes to the rich man's house and the rich man turns him away. Okay. So he goes to the poor person's house and the poor person 
gives him half of the last crust of bread he has, or the whole one, depending upon who's telling the story and how they tell it. And of course, the moral of the story at the end is that God reveals himself. He's, he rewards the poor person for his generosity and his hospitality. And some terrible tragedy befalls the rich person because mm. he didn't take care of those social obligations. Um, there is a story in lore about Odin and Frigga making a bet on which of their foster children was more hospitable than the other. Um, and it follows that along that line with the exception that they both cheat <laughs> to try and win. Um, and Odin ends up winning, but they both cheat. Mm. You know, Job. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so anyway, back to Odin and Santa Claus. Um, when, when we get to our Yule section, I'll probably have that more in the front of my head. Yeah. But that sort of winter wanderer kind of perspective and leading the wild hunt that I always see as sort of the anthropomorphization of the winds and the gales that blow in the winter mm. time, especially around blizzards and when snow is blowing. Mm-hmm. And if you listen, it sounds like a host, especially if you are in a primitive society, which doesn't have lights and, you know, all sorts of other stuff. It's a very scary night to hear those winds um, howl. Mm. And so if you were caught out, then you would be punished in some way, being taken up with the, the souls of the dead that the host was coming to get. Mm. And so, which was an interesting way to keep people in at night. Yes. Or else they could freeze to death or some other tragedy could befall them. Mm. So um, so as he led that hunt, we can kind of see that in some cultures then as a pack of dogs, a pack of wolves, a pack of reindeer. You know, I mean, you can kind mm. of see where the connections might sort of flow from that as we go from decade to decade. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's a, a really clear connection that I just I hadn't made before. It's really illuminating. I know in, in planetary magic and uh, in astrology, when we're looking at that part of the year, um, the the you know, physical observations, like you mentioned earlier, astronomically, the the number of light hours is is visibly decreasing, and so we become either consciously or or at least unconsciously aware that um, we're running out of of light. You know, we're running out of warmth. Um, this is obviously specific to areas of the world where there are distinct sa- seasons, where where we are. Know, working with a distinct summer and, and a distinct winter. Um, in other places of the world, it, it's a little more of, of an academic process, um, finding out where things are and when in terms of um, you know the, the earth and, and other objects in the sky. Um, so what what I've done in a lot of my practices, you know, go to the books and find out what time what's happening and um, try to make a deliberate and conscious effort to um, let that energy be present, even if I can't see it. Um, I think that as a, as a contemporary pagan, sometimes that's really necessary because, you know, having not a flock of sheep or a a herd of goats or or any of it and having not fields of grain, um, I have to make the connection between what's going on in my life as a reality and what the spiritual and philosophical, um, ties are to the universe and my place in it because so, those things still matter you know prosperity and well-being and and taking care of the home and making sure that everybody's provided for especially in in my world as a parent um making sure that everything is is like you know we're, we're aware that winter is coming in a very real way um even when i was living in southern california there was still this sense of there will be times of of great abundance and times of lack um 
and allowing that rhythm to be a universal constant that was sacred rather than just a series of scary times and good times. Um, so that from, from my perspective, it was almost a more intentional and effortful act <laughs> um, as opposed to now living in, in central Ohio where the seasons are very apparent. It's almost easier because right. the, the weather sort of tells you more about where you are in terms of this ongoing rhythm of, of natural occurrences and, and the, the spiritual associations we make with them. There's almost a, with the harvest festivals, we talked about Lunasa last time and um, this one and then Samhain. There's almost a reminder to be, it's not patience, but this was a time when our ancestors had the most food ever. The harvest was coming in. The The herds were, you know, assuming that things had all had gone well, the, the young that they had in the spring were adults or close to being adults. So they had the most food that they'd probably seen for a while, but they couldn't just you know, chow down on it because there were six months going forward before they would be evil, even able to plant anything again, much less harvest. Mm. So they had to be very responsible and restrained in the way that they approached that. And so I think that's something, especially in our, when we can go to Kroger anytime we want or ding or, um, you know, whatever, you know, we're, we don't necessarily f- have that feeling of, oh my gosh, if I eat everything, then I won't have anything by February. Yeah. Um, we don't have that. So, but the lesson of restraint and responsibility, I think is one that we could think about at that, this time of year. Definitely. And, and it keeps bringing me back to that, that idea of, of Libra being the period of time that we approach. And that's a, uh, it's an air sign. So it, it requires thought and it's an air sign that, um, that occurs, <laughs> Cut. <laughs> oh no 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 no! <laughs> this is going live. Oh no no no! Are you okay? Okay. <laughs> I was gonna keep going, y'all. No, <laughs> I put my glasses on the microphone. Sorry, that's all right. <laughs> we are trained professionals or something. Sorry, listeners. All right, should I keep going? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, I um, we're, we're we're almost there, but okay. I think from just listening to you two, um, and and listening to what you, uh, I mean, even within the last ten minutes, six minutes of that was really about Yule, kind of leads you to me to believe something that I've always kind of felt with the uh, the neo pagan calendar. It's like, um, you know, spring, 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 summer, fall, 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 winter. Um, and I've never felt that rhythm. Mm-hmm. It was real redundant, spring and fall heavy. Mm-hmm. For me, this high day has always been about what we touched on earlier. You have the freedom and the chaos and the excitement of summer, and then school starts. Mm. And, stru- yeah, get to work. And, and structure starts, mm-hmm. and everything gets pulled back. And everything gets, uh, you know, back into some type of schedule. Mm-hmm. So that that's always been the holiday for me is, is noticing those things and noticing somebody's breathing really heavy on a mic. Um, but um, that's what has caught me on on those things is um, we we have a redundancy in spring and fall festivals. And maybe it was necessary because I know people say this is the 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 wheat harvest and then the fruit harvest and then the blood harvest and backwards. 
whatever order. Fruit, we, fruit grain, blood. Yes, but whatever. Sounds like a lot of work. I'm going to go sit under a tree. <laughs> um, but that, that was just my, my thoughts on it. It was, it was more about um, transitioning from those two types of energy. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing to think about is the eight high days that we have now have come to us through modern means where oh, yeah. modern authors, and I was just reading a book that gave the names of, and I, I don't have it, of course, um, who planned out what the wheel of the year would be for for witchcraft, basically, the, mm-hmm. the beginnings of Wicca and witchcraft, um, modern Wicca and witchcraft. You know, they were looking at, they knew solstices and equinoxes were important. Mm-hmm. And some were Celtic scholars, so they knew Celtic, so they were trying to find a way to merge those two those together. Fire festivals. And so probably, I would guess that not all eight were celebrated oh, in I'm a particular sure. area. I'm so sure. we're sort of like, I think you're right, we're spring, 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 when there would have only been one, maybe, if that. Right, or at least two, maybe, the, I maybe two, see the... yeah. And same thing with fall, 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 harvest, harvest, harvest there would have been maybe one to kick off the harvest and one at the end of the harvest. Right. And that kind of would have been it. So, But that that's our time. Hopefully people I didn't even get to talk else. about my Martha Stewart. Oh, well, quickly, tell us about your Martha Stewart uh, forgot to fall collection. Me. Oh, uh, so the color that I have for um, Mabin in the traditional or autumn equinox, if you're, if you're not Wiccan, is, the, uh, is brown to match the brown leaves, the brown twigs on the trees that are starting to be revealed again everything looks kind of you know brown and icky or it's getting started to look sort of brown and icky so the altar cloth becomes brown to sort of that also sets off the fake leaves that i put on it if i can't put real leaves on it because the cats will eat them so but brown is the color and then an irish song brown that's next episode okay well that's about it for this we'll thank our sponsors Newy Cobalt Designs at NewyCobaltDesigns.com coming out with new collections and crone crate boxes at least every month-ish. We definitely have a collection coming out every month and the crone's crate follows the wheel of the year, the eight uh, contemporary Sabbaths. So our next one uh, as of this recording... Don't even. Okay. <laughs> Just keep an eye on the website and, and the next crone's crate will be along at some point. Before each high day. Yep. Um, MagicalDruid.com. Please check out our new website. And um, if you would like to donate to the Pagan Podcast, please do so. If you're listening to this and going, wow, I wish they had better microphones or something to protect those peas as they pop, um, you can help. You can donate as little as a dollar or a chicken wing. So please do so. Check us out at PaganGumbo.com.